Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. Mitch Horowitz, an expert on esoterica. The new book is uh, pulling a thread that I think a lot of people would benefit from, but I think there's a lot of perhaps, um, uh, you know, guilty or sort of um, uh, puritanical associations over the years to talking about sex like that. And, and yet the ancients knew it. Um, so there's nothing that is here that, uh, that should ever be considered something satanic. I think anytime people start associating sex and business or sex and they start thinking it's like, it's going to be something about voodoo or something like that, Mitch. So I just, I wanted to address that up front. Oh, sure. You know, it's nothing evil. It's nothing sinister. It doesn't have anything to do with manipulating other people. It goes back to some of our earliest, most ancient esoteric religious traditions and it's basically the belief that the sexual urge is the creative urge. It's how we propagate the species. It's why we're here. And, of course, it's also something that we associate with pleasure and so on. But Napoleon Hill was pointing out that we can redirect or rechannel the sexual urge through what is called sex transmutation by shifting our thoughts. And rather than shifting them, rather than our thoughts being directed towards some kind of uh, bodily desire or satisfaction, we shift our sexual thoughts in the direction of something we want to accomplish, whether it means saving money, working on our budget, building up a positive personality trait like enthusiasm or courage or killing it, performing well in a job interview or an exam. Hill made the case, and from my own personal experiments, I believe it's true, that when you use this process, which just involves privately mentally redirecting your thoughts towards a wished-for accomplishment, it puts great power, magnetism, intellect, charisma at your back. And he'll even made the case that under the right circumstances, sex transmutation can elevate the individual to the status of a genius. That when you right. see people who have this incredible enthusiasm and work output, and they just always seem to kill it, he theorized that very often, albeit unconsciously, these folks were using this act of sex transmutation. It's totally private. It doesn't mean going to the fringes or manipulating anybody. It's just a tool that we've been given to use to heighten our performance out in the day-to-day world. And so it doesn't mean taking a cold shower. It doesn't mean think about baseball, think about baseball. It doesn't mean anything like that. So, right <laughs> so, so how do we do it? Then what is, as you said, you started some experiments. What were your early experiments in trying to prove Napoleon Hill's theory correct? Sure. It's super simple. When you feel the sexual urge, something totally natural, something that men and women from all walks of life experience, rather than satisfying it physically or rather than sublimating it, because maybe you're in public or something, and obviously it's something that you have to deter until you're in private, you redirect your thoughts away from the satisfaction of the sexual urge and in the direction of something that you want to accomplish. Now, a lot of people say to me, for example, my work output seems to be incredible. I'm always putting out books and narrating and presenting right. and doing various things. And people ask me, don't you sleep at night? And the fact is, I, I do sleep at night and I do get done the normal things that a person needs to get done. I honor my obligations to my kids and to other people in my life and so on. But I do believe that some of the enthusiasm that I experience has to do with what Hill called sex transmutation. Again, it's just 
shifting the sense of desire in the direction of some other task. It doesn't mean abstinence. Right, it right. doesn't mean sublimating anything. It just means choosing at a private moment to make that decision. I think maybe when people say that to you, you know, wow, you sure write a lot of books, you got a lot done, is the subtext of that is, gee, Mitch, I guess you're not having any sex anywhere at any time. <laughs> you no, have all that energy, really you must well have no sex life. You don't think that's what they're saying to you? No, no, I don't. Actually, I think they're saying, sure? give us your secret. Give us your secret, man. How do you do it? <laughs> and I think that's part of the energy. You know, we talk about enthusiasm and things like that. You know, what is enthusiasm? Where does it come from? It's the creative urge in life. Without enthusiasm, everything is drudgerous. Everything is meaningless. But if you peel back the onion behind enthusiasm, what Hill was saying is, look, in a certain way, it's this creative urge of life, the creative principle of life. We call it sex because that's how we've been conditioned. That's how we've been raised. But he said it's really the universal life force. Physically, it expresses itself through sex, but in other areas, it can express itself through what we might call enthusiasm or charisma or magnetism. Okay, I'm with you. Give me the steps. Show me how, though, you get from I, I'm having a random sex thought to I'm going to practice my guitar. I mean, I, I, like, how do you do that? I mean, is there, are we talking about a series of, and I, I'm not being facetious, pictures? Are there word tricks? Are there, I mean, do you write something on your hand? How is it that you would take a moment which is sort of primal and channel it into something which is more intellectual. You do it through a mental act, just through a simple private mental act. Let's say you're feeling the primal sexual urge. Again, something totally natural that men and women from every walk of life experience. You may be in private, you may be in public, you may be in transit, whatever the case may be. You redirect at a moment of your choosing, at a moment of your choosing, you redirect that sexual urge towards something that you wish to accomplish. Let's say you want to become a killer guitar player. That's a dream of yours, whatever it may be. You direct that sexual urge towards becoming a great guitar player, towards rehearsing, towards playing well, towards being in harmony, towards creating beauty through that instrument. It doesn't mean abandoning sexuality abstinence or sublimating sexuality. Right, right. sexuality but how do, again, give me the step there. So what do I do? Like at that moment, am I, and I'm imagining you, it, so here's you in my head and I'm thinking, okay, Mitch says, and I'm, I'm thinking, all right, you know what I really show, I should bring my uh, tablet with me and I should have my chord progressions ready to go. And at a moment like that, then I just go, oh, you know what? I can't do that. I think about this. And I go into immediately go to do something, right? It's not a matter of just thinking about doing something. It's, isn't it the act of actually doing it that gets the energy into it? Absolutely. It's the act of doing it. Depending okay. on the circumstances that you're in, you may not be able to do it right away. But I will tell you something. Part of the artist's life is being at the ready, having your canvas ready, having your tablet right. ready, having your instrument ready. Right. You should have that stuff ready, set up, and at hand to the greatest degree possible. Now, we have jobs. We have commutes. We're not always able to drop what we're doing. But you can, at certain moments, have your instruments at the ready, or you could defer it to another moment. The sexual urge is not just going to go away. We all know that from experience. When you feel that sexual urge, it doesn't, doesn't just dissipate, doesn't just go away. It's there. At the first possible moment, shift your mind to the attention 
of doing whatever the thing is that you want to do, the preparation, the job interview, the audition, whatever it may be, you shift that attention, and if you can do it right away, terrific. If you can't do it for another couple of hours, that's okay, because the sexual urge is going to linger. And again, it doesn't mean abstinence or sublimating the sexual urge. There's plenty of time and room for the expression of physical pleasure or the propagation of the species. But there are plenty of other times, because sexuality is a constant, there are plenty of other times where you can choose to channel it in another direction. It's like shifting your mental posture. If you're into martial arts, you know what it means to shift your posture to remain steady. It's a mental act of shifting your posture and directing your thoughts, your sexual urges, towards another avenue. You know, I'll make a different parallel. Um, yeah. I, I think this is a retrain-your-brain kind of thing where yes. um, it, it takes what I would refer to as orthopraxis. You need to you're straightening you're going to straighten something through practice and yes. so you have, you just have to get yourself into that mindset and that means that in my case i i had to learn um how to redirect and i hate to even talk about it because it brings up all sorts of other stuff but i i have to not think about my tinnitus so mm -hmm. i have this horrible ringing in my head 24 7 Definitely. and and the way to get around it is what they call uh, tinnitus retraining therapy, TRT. And it's a constant thing that one does to trick the mind away from paying attention to the noise yes. into other areas. And so that's what I'm, that's the parallel I'm drawing with you here. I, I'm not, so what that means for me is I have in my cell phone, I have all these tones and I have these non uh, melodic pieces of music and when the tinnitus gets really bad i have to i just put in my i plug in my earphones very gently and i listen to these tones and it just has a way of directing my brain from hearing the tinnitus as much as it starts to hear these sort of random notes of music and that's how that's how that works so that's where i'm seeing a parallel to what you're talking about it's interesting there is a degree of brain retraining that goes into it but i would even go so far as to say that not only is it practical but it's fun in a certain way because you're directing your sexual energies towards something that you really wish to accomplish whatever it may be it may be an exam it may be a physical test like a martial arts contest or something of that nature whatever it is that you want to excel at, obviously it's something you're passionate about, it's something the individual cares about, you're redirecting this sexual energy to have a more high-octane experience. And again, in my personal experiments, I must say, it absolutely works. It's the most underutilized and in some ways the simplest tool that Napoleon Hill has given us. People don't use it because they feel it's kind of embarrassing or fringe, but it's super private and it's super simple. Maybe the problem is with the, the title, The Power of Sex Transmutation. Maybe you should have titled this book, Shrink and Grow Rich. Maybe. Well, I'll tell you something. It's funny. One of my heroes, the great radio broadcaster, Earl Nightingale, did yeah. a condensation of Think and Grow Rich in 1960. Interesting. And because these were earlier times, Earl omitted the chapter altogether. He called it enthusiasm, and it was totally forgettable. But wow. you never forget sex transmutation. Everybody kind of wants to know, what is that about? I just don't want people to be embarrassed by it, and I want them to know that it's not fringy, and it's something that you can do totally in private. You don't have to tell anybody that you're doing it. No, no, I think that's great. And I think there's, it is that notion of 
uh, of the benefit from it on the other end is what I think the transmutation part is maybe what gets a, it's a little tricky when we think about that word because you are you are you are taking one thing and you're putting it into a different form into another um into another direction and yeah. so it doesn't mean that you give up you're not i think maybe some people might think well that's just going to totally ruin my sex life and every time i have a sexual urge i'm going to think about you know you know pie charts <laughs> Or I'm going to that talk won't about... happen. Yeah. I can personally promise you. <laughs> that won't happen. <laughs> I can make a personal testimony to your listeners that that will not happen. Uh, no, that, it, these are moments that you discreetly choose on your own, and the physical desire will still be there. It's not one thing replaces another. It, right. it augments. It doesn't, it doesn't replace. You're not leading a monastic existence. You're not abstaining from sex or anything like that. You're just using it in a different way. There's plenty of times where we feel the sexual urge, but we sublimate it because we're at work. We're in an elevator. Right. We're doing things. You know, it right. can't be accommodated. But this is a way of accommodating it through a mental act, through just redirecting those mental energies. So I, I, there was a part in the book I thought very interesting where this had been that Edgar Casey comes into it, who's a you know for a lot of people he's he's still a touchstone, um, yeah. and and he is a he he the, his response and his understanding about people surprised me because it it seemed so far ahead of its time. But he yeah. he had been contacted by somebody who had a sex problem, so to speak, and That's he right. was. He was very sweet about it, I thought. He was remarkable. Edgar was just incredible. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know Edgar Casey, he was a great Christian mystic and a medical clairvoyant who lived in the first half of the 20th century. He grew up in the Bible Belt in uh, the agrarian south, lived there all his life. Edgar was contacted by a distant cousin of his in the 1930s who said, Look, I'm gay and I don't know what to do. How will I gain acceptance? And obviously, you know, this goes back generations. Some people didn't have liberated attitudes about this kind of thing. But Edgar wrote him back this beautifully, beautifully thoughtful letter, and he said, look, sexuality is the life force. It's the creative force in all of us. As long as you manage it well, you're going to be fine. You're going to be okay. And Edgar echoed the same concept as Hill. He said, look, this is the creative force of life wishing to express itself. We call it sex, but it's really the universal life force. So he had a very similar insight, actually. I thought that uh, was compelling because anytime you see where other famous people who had been in areas, gray areas, had mm. been, you know, sort of pioneers like that, when they have the same thought and they're converging on the same point, it, it gives validity to this. And, and yet, as you mentioned, you know, Napoleon Hill is not, I'm thinking, grow rich one of the biggest selling business books of all time. And yeah. I have to say that may be one of the least talked about chapters in yeah. the biggest selling business book of all time. I think that's very true. You know, people look at Napoleon Hill as this kind of familiar domestic figure, very popular in business circles, motivational circles, and almost nobody talks about this chapter. It seems too far out. It seems too embarrassing. And yet, he dedicated a full chapter to this topic in his book in 1937. That was not an easy thing to do no. back at that time. I wonder how that went over with the publisher. I can only imagine. It certainly yeah. didn't go over well with the publisher in 1960 when Earl Nightingale did an abridgment. They took it out altogether. So did they it really? was a daring move. It was a brave move. But it's one of the reasons why the name Napoleon Hill is immortal today. I mean, he, he was such a master of human nature. He had so many insights 
I learn something new every time I read Think and Grow Rich. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.